like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. If you have a laser device for training and you want to take it to the next level, or if you're looking to get into using a laser device for training, check out the products at laserapp.com. L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. You can use code CSP2021 for 15% off the items you've selected. And thanks for checking them out. Yeah. Uh, now, we talked a little bit about mental management, coaching, coaches in the future. Um, have you, before we get into the coaches and coaching and all that stuff, have you done any mental management stuff? Have you read Lanny Basham's book, The Mental Management System with Winning in Mind, anything like no. that? I, I have. Um, and I, I don't believe like one shoe fits all with mental management. I will say there, there are some cues that you guys need to, uh, shooters need to pay attention to. One, um, a bad stage, you can't let affect you beyond the next stage. Otherwise, you're giving the course of fire uh, points. You're giving them it. That, that's something that you can control, right? I can't control a shot that's already happened, but I can control the next shot, right? So I read Lenny Bassum because there's a lot of pre-match mental aspects I envisioned myself prior to going to the match um, that I didn't used to do. And it would I could see that I would peak in a match about halfway through. And I didn't want that. I wanted I wanted my peak to get very early on, right? And a lot of that was believing in myself. Um, and I, I would I would have to see a couple successful stages to, to turn that light switch on. And then I could run with the best of them. And I started to realize that I have to start believing in myself before I even look on to the, to, to the, you know, the, the shooting range. Right. So I do a lot of visioning. Now, one thing that I don't do anymore is I don't look at matchbooks. Um, I, I may talk to some friends about it. If I see like a lot of partials so I can maybe adapt that into my shooting regiment, but I don't really let that dictate my shooting anymore. Um, so, but, but to be fair, like size, there's no low ports at uh, Area 8, so I'm not going to work a lot of low ports at Area 8. That was always my offset for Mason, because Mason has better leans than me, so I said, yeah, but I got the low ports on you, so I'm a little discouraged by that. But but yeah, so I don't look at the matchbooks. It's more about just visioning being the best version of yourself and start to believe in everything you've worked on, right? Um, And trust it. Trust it right off the get-go. There's a lot of, like, just sitting in your bed and closing your eyes and visioning it. Um. You know, a lot of sensational stuff that I do before a match is mental. You know, Wansa Kim, you know, will talk to you about getting to like one reference point, one thing that you know when you touch your gun, your grip's perfect. There's a lot of things that we touch our gun when we look at a grip that we could talk about, right? But I get to one sensation. When I grab the gun and I feel this, everything's perfect, right? Uh, I, I sim- it's it then becomes a simpl- simplistic model, right, that I can repeat. Uh, so a lot of that is in my dry fire. I start switching to the mental game is no longer am I tweaking my grip. It's now about finding that perfect grip and one thing that sets it all off. And I, all those little things add up. And then, you know, a lot of it is studying the greats. Um, I watch JJ, how relaxed he is at a match. And a lot of that is how friendly he is with people. So there yeah. was a point in my career where I started taking the match so serious that I was in this bubble of competitiveness and it build tension. Right. And I realized I can take the match serious mentally, but I don't have to be that way the whole time. I can have fun. 
And in doing so, the byproduct is I'm going to be more relaxed and give my best when I turn the light switch on at make ready, right? So, you know, Steve Gilcrest is another shooting mentor of mine. He traveled a lot with Mason when he was a junior. He's a SIG Academy director now. I follow his model and it worked for me. When I'm in the hole, my mental game starts to turn off, right? Or the outside noise starts to turn off and I get my gear right. When I'm on deck, I start envisioning it a little bit more, right? I've already had it ingrained, but now I envision myself what I need to see to be successful, right? And what success feels like. And then when make ready happens, it's the cue. What do I need to touch? All right, my the right side of my thumb, if it touches that safety spot, everything else is perfect. If I have a perfect grip, my shots are going to be where they need to be. You know, if I'm getting my eyes to point to point, nobody's going to beat me, right? It's all about confidence, right? And, uh, and then afterwards, so this is where I see a lot of sh young shooters fall off is afterwards, collect that data, right? So Mason taught me this is go around and look at your targets. What are they telling you, right? If I'm pulling off targets, okay, I'm a little aggressive leaving positions maybe. Just dial that back a little bit and you'll be perfect, right? It's all about taking that data after the stage and turning it into a positive, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I, I grew from that. And when I grow from that, you know, you start to get deadly from stage to stage because the confidence just starts building. Uh, so yeah, I, I pull from all the greats, JJ and Ron. I keep it relaxed. I keep it friendly when I'm not up. Um, Mason, I take in all the data. What is it telling me? And I, I get better as the match goes on. Um, I take Steve Gilcrest and wants a Kim, all the strategy before I even get to the match. Um, you know, I, I pull from all the best people. They all have strengths and I like to take it all you know, and, and make it my own. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got, and I think we're all unique, right? We all need to do that. It's no different than taking a food recipe and making it the way you like it. Exactly. You know, it might be deleting something or adding something else. Um, it's interesting though. You brought up about not having to be serious because Gianni Giordano, who just won limited or area three limited, um, and the Williams sisters both said they don't like being on the men's super squad because they're too serious. They're like, they're too I, serious. I've heard that too. Other than JJ. I mean, JJ, like you said, JJ is very loose, plays around, has a good time, but when it's time to shoot, he shoots, you know? Yep. So it's very interesting to hear that because, and, so, and Leo and I watched them last year and they are very serious. Max Michelle is super yeah. serious. That dude is, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I've, I've heard that from some of my friends too, but it's a trade-off. So the, the reason why it stays serious, I think on the super squad is because they're doing constant calculations because they know that's who they have to beat. Right. So they're, they're, they're trying to work the strategy when they're not shooting. Right. Whereas when you're not on the super squad and you don't have that data readily available, then you're just focused on being the best version of yourself. You don't have to, you don't have to calculate as much, right? You, you don't, you just, you, and honestly, I think sometimes that pays more dividends. I mean, look at Mason Lane. This will be a very interesting test for him at limited nationals because last limited nationals, he didn't have to shoot on the super squad. He just shot the best version of himself. And, and it, I think 10 out of 10 times that's going to win, um, you know, or nine out of 10 times. Whereas now Mason's going to, play a calculation because he's going to be shooting against this year, the best limited shooters on their squad and they're going to be playing calculations on him. And I think sometimes that does have a benefit if you're getting to the last four stages and 
you know you need 10 points to make up, then it doesn't, you got to push it, right? You, you got to, you got to play that calculation, right? You got to, you got to do it if you plan to win. And we saw Mason Lane do that this year's production nationals or low cap nationals. The last stage, uh, was it freestyle one shot per something like that? Then stronghand. I mean, he had to go for it. Um, you know, so there are some advantages to being on the super squad. Um, but yeah, I, I think, and, there, and some people may need to do that. They're not disciplined enough to be able to turn it on like a light switch when they're in the hole and get serious, right? If you find yourself too relaxed or not ready, then, you know, then, then maybe you can't do that. But for me, it helps me be relaxed. Um, I shoot my best, believe it or not, when I shoot with my friends. So, um, you know, I see a big, like when I look at the data, it's clear. I, I shoot my better matches when I shoot with Mason not because I'm chasing Mason. It's because one, I know he's not going to let me faster on a stage from stage. Right. So I, I have no choice. I have to get over it because otherwise he's going to be mad at me. Uh, so he holds me in check, but, but two is I can shoot the shit with him and I, I can have fun and it helps me not carry nerves from stage to stage. And I usually come out of the gate a lot more consistent. Whereas when I don't have my friends on the stage with me, I usually peak later on in the match. And it's like, man, if I had those first four stages, it's not because I'm warmed up. It was all because of nerves. Um, right. So you're focused so yeah. but loose. So yeah. Correct. So got it. And Lenny Bassum, to circle back to what you're saying, that talks about that. Talks about um, being in the moment, but also not being tied up in the moment. Right. He talks about complimenting other shooters, you know, being engaged with what they're doing because it's going to come back tenfold and help build your confidence up when you need it the most, and all those things. Um, and what you end up finding from it is there's a byproduct that's bigger than being a world shooter or a national shooter. You may make a friend that becomes a lifelong friend that one day asks you to be in their wedding or something like that. Right. And, you know, it's a sport at the end of the day. It is circle back into my career, but not to sound cheesy to you guys, but um, I would trade a national championship for some of the friends that I had any day of the week. Um, and if I was always serious about going to these matches and not meeting new people, um, it wouldn't be as fun. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have people coming up to me and saying hello and, and vice versa, right. Going up to people and saying, how have you been? Um, so I, I, I challenge people to try not making it as serious, be a little bit relaxed at these big matches. That doesn't mean you don't have to give your best. Um, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Now I, you said that you don't look at matchbooks anymore. And the one thing I've learned in my short time is I used to look at matchbooks and go, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. Yeah. But now I look at them just to see, you know, what the round count is or something like that. But the only thing I take out of them anymore is what someone said was look at the start. You know, are there yeah. table starts or there unloaded starts? And that's the stuff you can practice yeah. in dry fire at the range. And it doesn't, you know, because it doesn't really affect your stage plan, but at least it gets you comfortable and ready for the start of that stage. Yeah, um, just be careful. I, I do, I do that. I screen it just for a general flavor of the match, right? What? Do, right. But I don't even look at stars because I've seen those change. I've seen like challenges, like we just went to North Coast, and I think they had. They had a, uh, a start in a certain way, but because of the rain, it wasn't as safe um, or something like that. So they decided not to do it, I think, it, or, or something like that. So even then, I don't even get try get caught up in it. The, the best way is to get to the match a day early 
and get get your mind right, get to see the stages. That that is a huge plus. Um, I've actually only do that for matches that I have to travel a day earlier for, because in Ipsic we don't get that opportunity. And I'm again, I'm training for World Shoot, so like I just went to North Coast. Um, I did not go the day before. I went there and I treated each stage and I developed in my walkthrough because that's how you have to do it in Ipsic. Uh, so I'm prepping for that, right? I'm getting comfortable with that. Um, and there's a whole that changes my whole sequence because now I have to focus more mentally uh, while I'm pasting. I'll close my eyes and think about things. Whereas if I get there a day early for nationals, USPSA, I don't have to ingrain the visualization as much until it's my turn because I already built it in, right? So those are two different things mentally. So I, that's how I'm already prepping for the world shoot. I go to a lot of these matches now that I can. Uh, Ohio's in my backyard. I don't go a day early. I, I try to do it Ipsic style to kind of get comfortable with that, if that makes sense. Yeah, very interesting. I didn't know. I just learned something. I didn't know with Ipsic, you couldn't look at the stages ahead of time. You can, you can walk behind them, but th that's very challenging, especially with double ups. And in Ipsic, they test the skills like positioning and, and, and uh, you know, eggs, soft entries, hard entries. They test those skills to a higher degree, in my opinion, where is if you're off by half a foot, you're not going to see the target or you're going to have to make an adjustment or shoot off balance. So, yeah, you, you get three minutes, your walkthrough, you may get three runs at it. You find your positions and it's all visualization. Now, the greatest thing about Ipsic is you don't paste. So you should just sit in your lawn chair, close your eyes and visualize it all the way up to your turn. Whereas in USPSA, you got to paste and do other things that might be distracting. So it is a little harder to do an Ipsic style mentality in USPSA because I have to do things to help out. Right. right. Um, but you also get five minutes in USPSA or longer. So, you know, but yeah. You don't get to walk the stages. You don't get to see the timers only but once in Ipsic, and you only get three minutes, which usually equates to two walkthroughs, two two cycles, and you're done. Wow. Yeah, it's much more visualization. Uh, and that that changed the game coming from, to kind of get back to your other question, that was one thing that changed from going to the Extreme Euro, is I said, oh, my mental game, I thought I was struggling before. Now I'm really struggling. I got to change it, how I, how I do the mental game. Wow. Now that reminds me of, um, you were talking about being off by half a foot. There was a stage last year at the Virginia state match and area eight had one go up over the hill. The last stage on the left. Um, that okay. was like a memory stage where I was having to figure out on the ground exactly where I needed to be, to be able to see all yep. the targets I had to see at that moment. And yep. then be able to move on. So that now, definitely tested that. In fairness, it it usually stage. doesn't do memory stages like that. I think they're fun, no. especially if you get there a day early. It's not fair for people who can't afford to get there a day early to a USPSA match, in my opinion. There's a big advantage to getting to walk it, like, you know, after, you know, a day of shooting. But um, in Ipsic, they don't usually do that. It's more technical. And I think I'm, I'm not going to try and put a teaser out there, but I think Mason might have something cooking to help stage designers uh, uncover some of that special sauce that I'm uh, using your cooking analogy there, that special I sauce like that uh, Ipsic uh, puts together with their stage designs. And that'll be really cool. And we've seen some of that at area eight in the last year or so. 
um, where it gets more about technique, right? Who can, who can hit an entry correctly versus come here and I can absorb a bad entry with four targets, you know, cause now it's more about points in that entry versus who can get in and out of that entry faster, right? Or more efficiently, I should say. So they're more technical. Uh, you won't find, you, you won't be able to overcome a point strategy in IPSC. You got to have it both ways. You got to have technique on your movement as well as accuracy. I'm surprised we haven't adopted more of that over here. You would see a, you would see a separation in the classes. I definitely think that's one thing you would see. Um, classifiers, in my opinion, would become less of an indication, though, of where you're at um, because it is more technical. Um, but, yeah, you would see a separation. You'd, you, um, it's not easy. Uh, there's small gains, too. That's the problem. Um, you, you may work on something for two months just to, just to get maybe, you know, a, a half a hit factor advantage in that aspect, if that makes sense. Wow. Uh, they're, not, they're not big gains. So, okay. Yeah, there, there's a lot to discuss between IPSC and USPSA. And I, I think uh, Mason and I want to talk a lot, bring a little bit more of that to the attention of the community here in the future. So, you talked about um, Mason having to be on the Super Squad come nationals. What about, uh, so let me ask you this Have you seen all the people that are going to be at Carry Optics nationals? Yes, we've, we've talked a little bit about that. That's probably oh. going to be the match of the decade. Yeah. yeah. That's got like every yeah. big name shooter in the United yeah. States competing. Holy cow. Yeah, that that's uh, that's going to be a very, very interesting match. Um, yeah, I, they're probably going to have like four or five super squads. There's a lot of – there's a lot to talk about there. So I, I kind of look back when I came in, the single stack classic was a really – the Cadillac of the sport because all the pros shot it early on because every manufacturer makes it right. It was all equal, very technical working with the single stack, right? Um, very prestigious award, right? That's how it was regarded back, you know, in, in the old days of the single, when the classic was around, right? Um, I equate the same hype to this year's carry optics as the old classics. Yes. You're going to have every major manufacturer there, every professional athlete there. Everyone's had an opportunity to train for it, given it's later in the season. Um, to me, it's just sad to see it crush production in USPSA. Um, yeah, you know, that was, that's been my division for seven years. Um, I, I, I've enjoyed it. I've talked a little bit about it with some of my friends, but we're sad to see carry optics, but Hey, it's progress, right? We're evolving. Well, and, and that's what I was going to say. It, it, cause we've talked about it a few times on the show. It really does seem to be the next evolution in, in the shooting community as a whole, be it yeah. competitive shooting or even just carrying every day. Like th that's what yeah. people are shooting. And, and as we've said a couple of times, it's the poor man's open. Like yeah. anyone can get into that division. And as long as you dedicate some time, you can do well. Now it's like, I think doing well and doing really well, is going to be a big gap in the middle there, but yeah, like I think it's it's where the sport is headed. So I'd be interested to see what the next evolution is going to be after carry optic. But that does seem to be kind of the trend now. Is that's becoming the biggest division and every yeah. like like you said, it's influencing manufacturers and they're coming out with either aftermarket slides that have slide cuts on them already, 
or they're just making yep. the gun with a slide cut and they're partnering with an optics company, be it Vortex or whatever, and just putting that on the gun straight out of the gate. Yeah, so the, the three biggest things that influence carry optics in our in USPSA are stage designs have changed in the recent years, mainly because the high cap has taken over with PCC, limited and open being massive divisions, right? And now carry optics. The second thing is um, people like to run and gun in USPSA. We're the wild, wild west, right? And less mag reloads means faster and more adrenaline. And and we're we're as Americans adrenaline junkies, so we love twenty-two <laughs> round, thirty-two rounders. And then the third thing is the red dot is is the. I mean, it is the future. I mean, law enforcement's a little slow to get there because reliability. True. And same with the military, but it's going there. We've seen the industry address those issues. We're, we're getting close, right? I know in my EC, I'm one of the testing officials for um, for red dots on our new Glock MOS versions. And we're looking at like the Holosun 509T for closed mm -hmm. emitters to defeat the rain issue, right? Right. Um, we're looking at, you know, the durability of aim points now and battery life and user error. Did I forget to turn it on? Does it have MOTEC? So yeah, the industry is addressing the issues and it's gonna come into law enforcement. We're already seeing people carry it in CCW. I would personally give it to my wife because it's much easier in low light conditions from like a, a you know a break-in for her to use that effectively versus having to teach her how to use a flashlight in the left hand right. and grab yep. it on the right. So yeah, it, it's the, the red dot I think is the big influencer, but it's not just alone. It's stage design as well as there we go as well as mag capacity and yep. running and gunning. So the mm -hmm. three are the perfect storm to crush low cap. It's it's mm -hmm. like revolver when magazines came about. Right. Red dots are gonna crush iron sights. Yep. Yeah. And I mean honestly they make for great YouTube videos too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do feel if you know if I was president for the day, I do feel that it's time to have production go to, to 15 rounds. And I only say that because there's already a disregard for low cap in stage design and it's harder yeah. on. And I think if we go to 15 rounds, I think I looked at it. The, the, the argument there is we have states that can't have 15 rounders. I looked at that and you'd be surprised the waivers they get or they're shooting divisions already that are high cap. Like right. well, that doesn't make sense. So I don't think it's that big of a factor. And I think it would help with stage designers and getting to side. I think you would appreciate not having to think about, you know, low cap versus high cap, if we can kind of get more into just high cap, right? Or oh, absolutely um, something. So I think that's something that we need to talk about um, at the board level and, and or maybe a town hall and ask shooters what they want, you know, what the members want. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see more of an alignment towards IPSC where it's that more too. technical and you can throw in a few Americanized stages, you know what I mean? But yeah, but have that more technical. And, and I'm sharing this because I wanted to point out, this is all of the major matches so far this year through Area 8. And Carry Optics has had 2,177 competitors. Now there's double yep. ups and triple ups and stuff, but uh, the next closest one is open at 1637. Yep. And you know, the only thing keeping the open numbers down is the cost to entry. I mean, it's just very, very expensive yeah. to get into okay. open. Carry Optics is yep. the poor man's open gun. Yeah, and it's just as fun. I mean, if Americans Absolutely. love running and gunning and getting the feeling that adrenaline at the end of a stage, right? Carry optics will give you a very similar sensation as open. Not quite because you don't get the concussion of major power factor and thirty-two right. rounders, but it's but you're right, it's pretty close to the same experience 
Uh, and that's, and people are going to do what's fun. They're going to do what's fun and what's of value to them. And I think carry optics is a little bit better value for most people than open. Yeah. It's not going to break the bank other than at this point, like you said, right. ammo, it's not going to break the bank. Anybody can get into it. And yep. yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and like you said, even just having that discussion of for production and whatnot, moving up to 15, like there's a lot of evolution that's going to hopefully occur in the sport in the coming years. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to, to see. And, and a comment on something you said is I would like to see IPSC promoted a little bit more in USPSA. Um, I, I think, I think there's a lot of barriers that USPSA can help with getting competitors to think about traveling overseas. It's an amazing experience. It's not as expensive as people think. It's not as much of a hassle as people think. Um, the competition community is just as friendly, um, if not more. I mean, it's it's because you know you're coming as an American, and they're gonna you know give you attention, and and because you know they're probably not gonna see you at the next match and things like that. That's what I mean. But I would like I wish USPSA had a helpline, like like a counselor that people could call and they would provide Ooh. data to and help yeah. them do their first maybe international match, right? Um, saying hey. Here's what you got to do. Here's what to expect. This, you know, these countries require permits and, and go through it with them. And then people are like, oh, that's not that's not too challenging. I could plan this. This is and then people are gonna have fun and all it's gonna do is strengthen the community here in the States. So it's not gonna take away from USPSA at any. Um and, but yeah, I I was gonna say taking that even a step further, I mean, you could even create a new page or drop down on their website with yep. that information you know and if, if exactly. they still have questions call this number but yeah here are the general guidelines here are some links yeah and and people don't know it, but we are an ipsic chapter right uspsa pays to be part of the community as far as i know we're still paying that's why we get world shoot slots and i, I don't think it should just be for world shoot if we're going to pay dues and be part of this community, then we need to also promote what that can offer our shooters, you know, what experiences that can offer and help them with that. Right. Um, so there, you know, there, there's a lot and I haven't walked a thousand miles in USPSA's leadership shoes. So, um, but it's something that I'm interested in if I ever get into helping out the sport uh, is promoting a little bit more international travel and making it easier on people make that decision and, and help them with it. Yeah, I, I don't know how to pronounce her name, so I'm going to butcher it, and I'm going to apologize now if she actually listens to this. Uh, Kida Busey? I'm not... Kida Bussy. There you go. Sorry, my bad. Uh, she literally just posted something about uh, international travel with a firearm because she's going overseas to... I, I don't remember if it's to compete or teach a class or whatever, um, but she just posted something about how actually easy it is as long as you've done the research and you've got the like you said the waivers and the and the forms and everything else and, and i think the video was basically just listen people aren't used to it be polite be courteous don't make the 2a community look bad and it's it's really easy to go through yep. so it's just interesting that you bring that up because i literally just saw that the other day and i thought it was pretty interesting and if anyone sees me or any of the high level shooters out there I'm sure if you just drop us your phone number or something um, or hit us up on one of our, our social media channels, I'll be willing to help you guys out and talk to you through. Um, might not have enough time if I'm in, in the match itself, uh, but I will definitely hit you up right afterwards if you guys stop by, uh, see me. And I know most of my peers and most of my friends will do the same. But yeah, I remember flying for the first time. Dave's the one that helped me when I had to fly for the first time with a gun when I went to 
uh, Florida for my first nationals. Um, I'm like, I don't know what to do, man. He's like, here you go. And I'm like, all right, cool. That's it was other than getting to the airport early. I was like, okay, this is not hard. Yeah. Pretty simple. And the cool thing, the coolest thing about it is also it's something for your family to do. You get to go to another country with your family. You can make a you very easily make a family vacation out of it. Um, it's a much better experience. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love going to Florida and taking my family to Disney World, but it's so cool to maybe be able to take them to Thailand and just after the match, meet them up with a cocktail on the beach, right? Um, it's fun for them, fun for you. It's a win-win. So that's something we, you know, because we all take a lot of time away from our families unless, you know, you compete with your families and stuff like that, which is cool, but something to think about. Yeah. And then you can go all the places that they shot the hangover. <laughs> this is true. I'm, I'm just saying, like I like oh. much like you, like as a as a relatively new dad, like I've got a five year old and a sixteen month old at this point. Um, so I, I completely understand your. I shouldn't say yeah. plight because I love my kids and I'm sure you love yours as well. But it is it's more challenging, um, you know, when you've it got is. those things that you have to dedicate your time to as opposed to you know dedicating to yourself. So I, I get it, but it would be really yeah. cool to be able to do stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's funny you bring up, you know, vacation because I would love to go with my wife to the Czech Republic. Now, Matt, I know, you know, the term when I was in the Marines, I was the ugly American. I was that guy, America. Number one, I'm still that way today. I don't know if you can tell unabashedly. (laughs) I am that way, but man, there's so much history. Like I've been to Israel, Italy, and France and all these different places. And the history is astounding. So I would love to go just to, you know, be able to absorb and see all of the history. Amazing. It depends on the country you go to, but Czech was amazing to us. Um, I, I mean, the town was friendly. I mean, we, we just had a blast. Um, wasn't much of a language barrier. Uh, so you got to factor a lot of those things in. My wife loves the beach, so I know she's going to love Thailand. I mean, she's from the Philippines, so we're also thinking about jumping to the Philippines. Okay. Well, she was, was born here, but um, but she has family in the Philippines, so we're going to jump there because, you know, that's a long flight. So we're already going to be two-thirds there. So It's a hop, um, skip, and a jump. Yeah, I mean, they're basically Thailand. kissing cousins, yep. Thailand, and yeah. the Philippines. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm hoping to take some extra ammo and maybe shoot a match in the Philippines <laughs> right after World Cup. Hey, listen, they love 45 – like, they love 1911s in the Philippines. Yep, we found that out. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. My in-laws are so into it, and I'll come home from a match, and uh, they won't—they won't even ask how I did. They'll ask how JJ do, and I'm like, <laughs> "What the heck? I mean, why don't you invite them over for some hollow hollow? I guess I'm just gonna stay parched in your kitchen, you know, from this match." But yeah, it's, I'm, I'm happy it's to amazing. go. Amazing, they're yeah. such a tight culture. Um, but it's hilarious. My wife laughs every time. They flawlessly will say it. The, 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 and now they forget his name every now and then, and they'll say, how did that one uh, Filipino champion do? And I'm like, JJ's like, yeah. I'm like, he did great. I did good, too. You know? No, you should throw it like, oh, Kevin? Kevin Gorosti? He did good. Yeah. It's funny. That's awesome. That's hilarious. Now, where do you – so, well, I, I was going to ask the question, where do you see yourself in 10 years with competitive shooting – but we've answered that question with kids, so yeah. we're look we're looking at basically your your highly competitive career lasting for about two world shoots, and two then world maybe shoots for about eight years, yeah. right? And then maybe picking up again 
10 years later. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, so, right. I, I think the age, I mean, I'm looking at Ron Francisco has his two twins um, already on it and I'm taking a lot of cues of how he's training them. Um, you know, and Phil's helping out with that. He's the, the godfather to them. So uh, I'm taking a lot of cues on that. It, a lot of it has to do with obviously, you know, their, their discipline, uh, safety's first, right? Uh, and then dexterity, you know, what can they handle and things like right. that. Um, but there's a lot of things you can do with Nerf guns and things even before that. Supposedly that if my kids want to continue, now my kid loves to do it. He knows just in the manners of how I get off the couch that I'm about to go do dry fire. He will run and go find his gun, you know, and he will, he has his own stick at targets and he'll stick them on the wall at his level. Cause he always sees that I rearrange mine. So I think he just follows the cue and he just wants to do it. Cause I'm doing it now. Given that he, if he continues down that path, cause I'm not going to force on him, but given that he, if he is right at probably around eight or nines, when he'll probably start taking it very seriously and I'll probably start downshifting and dedicating most of my time to coaching him. And, you have, you've and put I probably some videos. won't compete. Yeah. You've put some videos on Instagram of him shooting next to you. Haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he, he helps me with my mags. Um, I, I won't let him touch the real guns right now. I make a very big distinction between his toy guns and my For guns sure. right now. Cause it's all about safety. The only thing that he, I have a hard time with right now is he won't keep his hearing protection on. So I can't get, he wants to come because in my backyard, I have a range and right. he knows when I go out there and he just, and you know, honestly it's about having a happy wife. Right. So she gets annoyed not that I'm going out to shoot that he's going to be a wreck while I'm out there shooting. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to maybe him turning three or a year later where he can wear air protection and come out there and at least watch. Um, you know, Ron Francisco used to have his kids out there, which is awesome. And I'm just kind of reliving those footsteps because I envisioned it, you know, his kids are around a little bit older, but I'm kind of envisioning it. And I'm just, I'm excited because right now he loves it. And what better thing for a dad to have your kid be just as excited about doing something that you're doing, right? without having to force it or which I don't think you should ever do. And I'm sure other sports will come into play. I want to be athletic. Um, I enjoyed sports. I think they teach you a lot of life skills. Uh, so I'll, I'll broaden him to a lot of things, but man, right now he's all about the pistol. We got home from Florida late at like one o'clock in the morning. Cause our flight was canceled on this last trip. Um, and Right away, I thought he was going to be exhausted. He runs right in the door, runs right to his toy shop, grabs his gun, brings brings my belt over to me and says, uh, go, go, and points over to the targets. And my wife just rolled her eyes like my little shadow. That's funny. I can almost get him to do the timer too, but he short times me too much, so I, I, I do it myself. <laughs> Maybe I can't you get have him. Say, he won't say ready, go. He'll just say go, boom. And I'm like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. But if I ever have a, a, a RO do that to me, I'm ready for it. Because <laughs> that's never I, happened. Yeah. I have a feeling yeah, it's going right? to make you pause for a half of a second. Like, is my son here? What What is going on? Oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So where where would you like to see the USPSA in ten years? So. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm fully on board with Matt Hopkins. We've had dinners over, talk, you know, talking about that question. Um, I think he ran on a lot of the issues. Um, you know, I, I would like to see USPSA 
start thinking a lot bigger than just the states. I I like to start thinking start thinking about the Olympics. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's a possibility in the future of the Olympics picking up the sport, um, just based on world recognition, um, competitiveness. We already have shooting sports in in the Olympics, um, just not USPSA or IPSC, right? Um, I think look at look at how many people in the last two years have bought firearms. Those are all new uh, community members, right? Uh, so there's growth, and I, I would like to see USPSA start to look at that competitive equity a little bit more. Um, I think there's nothing wrong with people out that want to come out and have a good time, uh, but I also think we have to acknowledge if we want to be a sport, then we have to always be pushing the envelope on competitive equity, right? Getting people to become better than they imagine themselves being. Have the sport continue to push athletes. So if we look at, for instance, swingers. You know, versus 10 years ago, those have gotten more complex. We got these multi-directional movers now. Um, we we got red dots. You know, the sport's pushing us in the right direction. And, you know, I think athletes, the sky's the limit. I don't think we have pushed ourselves uh, to, to, you know, where we can be as an athlete in competitive shooting yet. I think the sport can help with that. So um, I also think we need to look really hard at improving the integrity of the sport. Um, I'm not talking about just cheating, but like popper calibration, right? Um, having fair stage designs that test skills broadly. Um, we, we need to look at things like that um, just to make sure that we just hone in a little bit, tighten up on the integrity of the sport. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to have USPSA own their own, their own range um, to have a, a very polished nationals there and maybe some other matches throughout the year. Um, and I, I would like to see a huge influx of young clubs cr- being created um, because, you know, I know in my area, I'm starting to see the stages go up and how many people shoot on a squad. And, you know, that that's not a fun experience for anybody, even though you get to meet a lot of people, you get in the heat, hotter months, you get a little beat down, um, you know, and it, it kind of stinks waiting two hours to shoot. It's, it's, you know, a sport that you want to keep doing. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's, I think there's a lot of room for growth. Um, I, I hope we head in the right direction there. I think, I think we need to also appreciate some of the, you know, some of the professional athletes, you know, giving back to the community, you know, and skills development. I know for a fact in my agency, um, my all my farm instructors go and train with Rob Vogel, and I have seen a change in culture in law enforcement because of that. And I know Rob Vogel has a law enforcement background, but I know he has refined those skills and dedicating his life to become a professional shooter and be a, becoming a world champion himself. And now he's giving back to the law enforcement community by helping fire instructors, you know, get into the 21st century in, in firearms marksmanship and, and shooting, right? Practical shooting. And I've seen it. My, my agency tip my hat to them. They're not afraid to adjust. If something makes sense and it can better us, they, they have. So now we have practical shooting in our agency. We have swingers in my agency, which I don't know how many law enforcement agencies have swingers. Um, we do a lot of prat- more practical shooting aspects of movement. And if you look at some of the incidents we had at the Pentagon, those shooters didn't stand still. You know, the law enforcement officers had to move to stay alive. And, and being able to practice the way, you know, to relate to real life is important. So I, I think, you know, it's fun to see those shooters give back to the community. I know JJ comes also from like the law enforcement community and some of my mentors, Ron, 
and I know a lot of them. You know, a lot of the professional athletes are going back into the military, like Ben Snogger trains in the military. I think that's awesome, and I, I think we need to tip our hat to it because they are dedicating their lives to refining those skills and pushing the envelope on marksmanship and practical shooting. And and I think that's great. I think we should we should almost, you know, they put their pants on just like us, but we should honor that and appreciate that. Um, so I think it's cool. I, I think there's just, you know, I think USPSA is for everybody. Um, and we're a community. And I think, uh, I think I would like to see the character of USPSA in the higher ranks move. I'm not trying to get into maybe a political subject, but right. there was a moment there where I said, this might not be for my son. I, I don't want my son experience that. Um, you know, I, I care about communities that are kind, respectful, mm -hmm. that breed leadership and character. Mm -hmm and sportsmanship uh, that I would want my son to grow up in because they're going to be influenced. My, my son's going to be looking up to these shooters, right. Uh, as he gets into the sport. So I was getting a little discouraged there, but you know, I think Matt Hopkins is a perfect caliber of someone that I think we need in leadership. I'm glad he ran for area three. There might be a little sacrifice there for him on the time or there will be. And I think he might have aspiration of being president one day and, you know, that comes with some scary sacrifice too, because he has a great thing with CZ right now. Right. He might have to give, he might have to give that up. Uh, so I, I'm proud of him for stepping up. Um, I'm, I'm someone of action. So I'm really looking at it. I like Ted Murphy, our area director. Uh, I've talked to our former area director, uh, Kevin McPhee as well. And, you know, I, I foresee once I get through one or two world shoots, you know, an area directorship is something that I might want to give back if I'm, if I'm what's needed, if there's nobody else that, you know, is stepping up, um, you know, I'd be happy to volunteer my time when I'm training my son or something like that. Yeah. I was going to say it might be easier to actually be like an area eight director than what you're trying to accomplish now. And that's mainly why I haven't. And I, I have worked an area match before, but the, the commitment there time-wise is just hard with where my goals are, but I I'm a life member. Um, and I don't just have the card, the, the I, I plan to participate throughout my life, have my son, if he wants to do it, get into it. And uh, I'll start giving back here uh, on the management side here. Uh, once I get through, through a world shoot or two. Okay. Now, do you shoot anything else? IDPA, PRS? No, when I started, I tried three gun, um, peacemaker mainly because of the law enforcement mindset. Right. But when I realized to be competitive, I got to kind of focus maybe a little bit more on one. And I really fell in love with USPSA. Um, I have tried IDPA. I, I love them. It's just more about commitment right now to what my goals are. Um, I will tell you one thing that I really enjoyed that went away was two gun. Uh, I shot two gun nationals um, back when I was at Peacemaker in like 2015 or 16. And I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, it's just rifle pistol. Uh, the rifle is a little bit more challenging than three gun at the time where they were pushing. The rifle is really more like 200, 150, 500 yard shots. So it was, you know, really pushing the caliber of a five, five, six. Right. Um, and I enjoyed that. So you would have like a USPSA stage and then all of a sudden you'd have targets in a tree line or in the jungle or in the forest or whatever, um, that you would have to shoot. Um, and that to me was so realistic, but fun. And it's kind of easier than US or three gun where I didn't have to run around with three guns. It's a little easier to just take a rifle and a pistol. So it was kind of like, it was like you got a little bit more flavor than just pistol, but it wasn't as intense as three gun of carrying all that equipment. Right. 
excuse me, and having different and having edit that out and having uh, different belts and having to rearrange them and, and stuff like that. So I also liked two gun. It was interesting. It was like a time plus system where, you know, your hits kind of course your time. So you can really quickly do the math on your scores and things. I like USPSA too, but anistic, but uh, that was really fascinating. I could see if two gun was still around, like it was, I could see myself trickling that in in the off season for fun. So uh, you definitely. wouldn't you wouldn't do the the current version of two gun, which is PCC and pistol. No, uh, I wouldn't. I like PCC in its own regard. It's a kind of a different topic. I think it's it's not really designed for pistol stages though. If there's an in between, right? I think I it could be like I think it should be its own nationals, for instance. And then if people want to play in USPSA, that's fine. I, no, there's a different experience with rifle because, as you know, going out to 150, 200, 500 yards is a different skill set. You know, you're gonna you're gonna use props differently. You're you know in resting positions, and I think I think it's more realistic into how people carry for self defense and law enforcement, and military. Right? We use we don't really run with the shotgun anymore. So, um, I think two gun with a AR-15, which everybody loves AR-15, right? So it's very fascinating to the private sector as well as law enforcement military. So right there, you hit your members, right? They want to get out and run their AR-15. And then you got the pistol, right? Which you get to run and gun with that as well. So it was just, to me, the best marriage. And I love three-gun. It just was just too much, right? It was just the shotgun or just one more element was just like, all right, just a little too much. And then pistol, sometimes you're like, man, I want to pull out this rifle. So yeah, I, I, I don't really like the pistol PC. Now, Wansik shot it, and it, it's fun. It's just not enough of a difference to make me think, you know, break away right now. When, and three-gun, your belt gets a little crowded with everything on there. <laughs> yeah. For me, that's like, like I feel like at USPSA is like NASCAR with a little bit tricked out, you know, in there. Uh, three-gun's like Formula One. Now you're talking about just a whole nother world, right? It's just... It's just it's crazy what the what these guys do um, with the cars and stuff, and I think that's just too intense. Um, you know, I, I think it's hard for the shooting community to get around that. It's just too much, uh, and so what you're left with is a bunch of professional athletes that keep going head to head. That's what I see at least. Um, but two gun man, it was the sweet spot. It, it was really fun, and it was a slung to uh, rifle, which was cool. Sometimes you could put it in the barrel, but. Um, you know, it was easy. And also shotgun shells are pretty, you know, they take up a lot of space to pack, whereas 5.56 is not too bad. You can pack 300 rounds pretty easily. Okay. Yeah. Now, we're, we've taken a bunch of your time here, but um, yeah. what I, I want to get into something real quick. Uh, you know, we had Dave Wampler on the show uh, several months back, and – I know you have a funny story. I'm going to share my story first. Okay. And so I don't know if you've seen this. Oh, I see what he's saying now. And I'm like, oh, oh. And I'm like, going, okay, that, that wall. And then, <laughs> Are you okay, Leo? <laughs> I know it's not loaded, and I know he's not going to shoot me, but he's literally pointing that at my image right now, and it's freaking me out, man. I know. It's, it's, you're, you're like, well, for me, where are you at? You're yeah. like oh, my God. I love Dave. We talk about this a lot, and I'm never going to let him forget that he, like, shot me in the face. Um, <laughs> Leo. But, yeah, man. 
Wampler about <laughs> fell out of his seat. He was laughing uh, so hard. That's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> oh, I love Wampler. I yeah. do too. It was you know, good times. Wampler's, Wampler's a really good videographer. Um, I don't know if you guys, I, I wish you would do it more often, but it, to him, it's a passion as well. And I know you guys could probably appreciate, you know, videography with the podcast and video podcast and all that. But um, he used to do like trailers of matches and, and take video footage. And he has a couple on his YouTube channel, which I wish he would do again. Um, they're just time consuming, right? But man, that's, that's something I wish USPSA would do a little bit more. And I was happy yes. to see they went live this year. But uh, you'll see that in Ipsic, they'll promote their matches uh, by doing these like cuts of the match, right? In a, in a theoretical theme, right? Uh, or uh, a movie style theme. And man, Wampler, they should they should hire him to do it because he, I'm sure he would if he was paid. But um, he used to do it for free and I, I miss him. But I used to get into it. I like video editing too, but like I couldn't, I couldn't hold my time candle consuming. with him. Did. Yeah, he he has put out some really really good content with that. He has. Yeah, yeah, and that wasn't even him full in. That was just him doing it casually because he shot those matches. So imagine if he like dedicated to it. It would just be really cool, and people would love it. And be like, this is what USPSA is, right? Um, that's how you capture an audience. Especially anyway, so new, a new audience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, correct. We could probably do a little bit better there. Yeah, I know it's expensive. But... Absolutely. So I understand so, you have a funny story concerning Dave. So yeah, so Dave, as I mentioned, Dave and I kind of go way back. Uh, we I had like a half a year ahead of him, and he came up to me and asked me how I was planning a stage because he like how I ran a stage because I had just figured out kind of more stage because like how to get through a stage right, and he hadn't. Um, and but so yeah, Dave and I go way back. Um, in fact. I have some classic pictures hanging up in my gun room. Well, Dave and I used to train at a, at a uh, asphalt plant, and I call it the Sandlot. You know, anyone sees the movie The Sandlot, just rinky dink place, but it's kind of like like this is this is classic. Just me and Dave in this you know environment, just trying to have fun and get better. But so I've known Dave probably for before this incident happened five years, and Dave and I have traveled all over the country. I know he wished he would have went to EEO with me, and I know it's on his to-do list, but he got married, and I think that was more important. Um, but uh, uh, his wife will appreciate me saying that. But uh, <laughs> but Dave, Dave and I were like brothers for like five years. This is We would go to work, uh, and this is all we would do. And he has a twin brother and an identical twin, and I don't know any friends with an identical twin. So while I know what an identical twin is, I just never have experienced it, right? And for one reason or another, I've always missed him. I, I've been over to family functions um, and events. He's been over to mine house and we just never got together. He's a state trooper, Virginia state trooper. Uh, and he's a little bit more South of us, uh, typically where he operated. And I just, you know, he has a family and stuff and we just never could get together. So I told you that to tell you this, I'm driving down 95 North, which is our main highway. And I get pulled over by a state trooper. And you guys can see where this is going. And, you know, like anything, you, you get your registration out, roll the windows down, keep my hands on the steering wheel. Um, I'm just, you know, they're a very respectful person because I know they put their lives online and I come from that background. I know it's an unsettling thing anytime a police officer has to walk up to his car because, you know, police officers die every day for this. So the last thing I want to do is make him uncomfortable. Well, I roll down the left window and I look in my mirror and I see he crosses to my right side. So obviously I didn't pull over. 
hard up. I'm like, ding, ding number one. So I, I look to my right and I roll down that window and I look in the mirror and I see Dave Wampler. And I'm like, I'm like looking, I'm like, what the heck? And I was like the weirdest feeling. And I totally forgot he had a twin brother at that moment. I'm thinking it's Dave. And he gets up to the window and he introduces himself. You know, I'm Trooper Wampler. And I'm like, it's the same voice. Now I'm freaked out. I, I'm looking around. I'm like, is somebody pulling a prank on me? And then it kind of clicked that I started smiling. And now I see he's trying to struggle to get through his opening dialogue, right, of, of what a straight trooper has canned, right, to give you, you know, what you did wrong, why I'm pulling over who I am, and what I need from you, right? And now I can tell I'm breaking his constraints because I'm probably pissing him off that I'm laughing at this matter, right? That's a safety matter, right? And and I, I look over and I say, I gotta stop you because I'm losing. I know your brother. And he immediately goes, Are you Matt? Because he probably then recognized my voice. I'm like, yes. And we kicked it off there, and it was the funniest experience. I mean, if any of you guys have a best friend, just imagine getting pulled over and your best friend coming out in a trooper outfit, right? Full smoky hat, professional, in role the whole time, too, never breaking character. And I have a, like, it's just weird. I never experienced a, an identical twin with the same voice, same mannerisms. Dave has this kind of like held tilt when he like wants to say something. Everything was on cue and it was just the funniest thing ever. Mealy had to call Dave and of course his brother beat me to him. And he's like, you know, and Dave's like, yeah, my brother told you to slow down, you know, and, and I'm like, he's right. You know, so, you know, it's just, like, he had a great family and, and Dave is, is probably to, to date, uh, been my largest shooting uh, mentor, you know, and uh, pushing me to think that hey, maybe one day I can I can hit the top level at a world shoot or win a national championship, you know. And Dave's a fierce competitor. Uh, there's there's no ands buts about it. And he, you know, that that'll inspire anyone. If you just hang around Dave for a while, you'll have fun, you'll laugh. But when it gets to competition, it's all go. And I think he is the one that charged me up and then saying, I wonder what if, I mean, I always had that commitment. I just never thought of the sport that way for me. And he put that bug in my head. So, you know, if my wife's listening to this later on or, or wants to comment, you can blame Dave for how much time I spent in this sport. There you go. But yeah, we know the cause. Yeah. Well, those are the questions I have. Leo, do you have anything? Uh, I have kind of three quick things. Um, so I know you're going to uh, a, a wedding. Uh, are you in the wedding? And if you are, uh, are you wearing a tux? <laughs> uh, I am going to Mason Lane and, and Kaylee's uh, Bennett's wedding. Um, I'm very honored that they asked me to be in the wedding. Um, so I am wearing a tux. I'm actually right next to Men's Warehouse right now. I got to go get it after that. Um, they have probably the coolest uh, wedding setting I've seen in a while. That It's on their farm. Uh, family's farm and Mason has been working in that farm probably for the greater part of the year with, with Kaylee and, and they set it up. It's like a, a horse farm. They have a lot of horses and Kaylee has that background as some of you guys may know. And um, it's just a cool setting. They have like a river that runs through their backyard and I'm sure they'll have pictures up. And then they have this big stone in the ground. Um, probably, you know, the biggest, like a dining room table size. And then they built out of some of the trees they cut down a nice overhead, which they're gonna have flowers and lace around it. And and then it's right there in the forest. And if you've been in New Hampshire, it's got that kind of scenic greenery, kind of I don't know, like 
just really cool, rich look for a forest, right? And I'm sure the sun's going to be coming through the trees. And it's just, it's going to be remarkable. I'm so happy for the two of them. Um, you know, I, I met Mason years ago uh, shooting. We have a lot of the same friends and shooting mentors and traveled the world with them. And I pretty much get to shoot every match with him other than when he's on the super squad. Um, so that's kind of another little small goal is to one day be able to shoot met more matches with him. So that means I got to get, get up there, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be in the wedding and I'm very excited for him. They're getting married tomorrow. Um, I, I, I hope to see some of our other shooting friends at the, at the match that can make it or at the wedding that can make it, but I'm calling it a match. Um, <laughs> I mean, for those of us that have been married more than once, it kind of feels yeah. like a match sometimes. I'm not going to be surprised if Mason pulls us aside to the because the range is right next door to where he's getting married and saying, all right, let's all get together and, and have a little uh, fun a, after the wedding. So uh, we, we might have the match of the year might actually be at Mason's wedding. There you uh, go. Following. There you Nothing go. wrong with that. Uh, yes. So follow up question to that, because this is not going to air before he gets married. Uh, what did you get him as a wedding gift? <laughs> oh, so, so I, I have to actually I have to go back and look. Uh, I think I either got ask him. your wife. Yeah, no. So I went back and forth two things, and I just totally forgot. Um, so it was either the, a Lowe's gift card because I know they're doing a bunch of home improvements, or an airfare because I know they want to travel overseas to another match. So I can, they had both of them in the registry. I can't remember. I forgot which one I got. Either way, um, pretty, I, pretty decent. I, yeah. I think I recently, I think I got them the the Home Depot card because I recently visited them uh, this month. And, and I saw the project that Mason was working on and I, I know he has like a whole bunch more and I think I, I think I got him some of that. So Mason's awesome. really handy with his hands and uh, I know they're, they're building out their home still and stuff. So very cool. Um, so last thing I had that came up, uh, but I didn't want to interrupt the flow. You were talking about uh, USPSA reaching out uh, and kind of improving and, and broadening the, the, the scope of like kind of who they're influencing and all that stuff. Uh, have you thought about, cause there's a bunch of college and I forget the, the name of it, like SAS or like those programs and colleges that have shooting teams. I know Clemson has one, a couple of the, uh, other teams like that. Um, has there been any thought given to, if you ever get in a, in a higher leadership position to reaching out to those programs and saying, Hey, you know, come in and, develop your students in this setting, USPSA and, and things like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about outreach um, and the next generation. Obviously I have my two-year-old who I will be, the, I, I would like to ask leadership because I'm about to get my life membership and he'll be the youngest life member in history. Um, Cause I know the Williams sisters always uh, cling to that. I'm like, yeah, you might be the youngest GM until. Right. Um, but but I, I, he has the, the youngest life member. So I'll have to see about that. Um, honestly, I, I would. I would definitely reach out to anyone that would be great for our community that shares uh, similar ethics and and sportsmanship in our community. But I have a lot to focus on for the members if I get in right now. Um, there, Right now we have a lot of members, and I think we could be providing a lot more value uh, to those members. I think, I, you know, I think like Cy was saying, like area matches could use some support. I think we're doing a lot for young clubs to get developed. I think we could be doing more. Um, I think just looking at the rules and bylaws and making sure the integrity of our leadership stays intact. I think we have to brush that up a little bit. I think Matt Hopkins will get on that to make sure bylaws can't maybe be changed as easily. 
I personally, for instance, think bylaws are founding principles. That's like our constitution, right? I don't think a board or president should ever get to change a bylaw. I think it should be, if there's a bylaw change that needs to be, happen, the board should nominate it. The president should approve it, right? So he can veto it, but he can't. But then it goes out when we have our elections for president, it's on the go. ballot. And uh, the yeah. members get to pick the bylaw change because I don't want, I don't, I think this is an association of the members, right? Uh, they're elected officials. And I think anyone ever in headquarters or in that position should always remember that you answer to the members and the members only, not for yourself, not for what you want. It's what the members want. And I would do my best right now, if I was president today, to make sure the members had the most power. I would, that's just me. I mean, that, that's like the second amendment to me. It would be like this and always will be, will be an association of the members with founding principles. So we don't lose our identity of what we are. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I recently listened to a podcast on that to understand our history. And I listened to a podcast of the founding fathers. Right. Um, and they were talking about, uh, I think on hack, not Hackthorns, uh, uh, who's the, the mustache uh, 1911 uh, guy that has a podcast he's big on think on bravo channel um, anyways I, it slipped my mind but uh man he's, he's on with larry vickers a lot um tim hackthorn i think it is is it something like that hey uh, guys i got you guys lost no anyways. no that sounds familiar but i was listening to like who invented ipsic in the united states and what their intentions were right and uh, and how we've evolved, and I think it's very fascinating to understand our history and where we've come from, and and I just always want to make sure the ship is pointed in that direction, that, that we're in our founding principles, but the members decide where we go from there. Uh, so that I would honestly be focusing a lot on that because I think that's a legacy to leave behind. Uh, but I would definitely be big on outreach, um, mainly probably starting honestly to help the local sh the members with local clubs. So I would be interested in if those colleges would start local clubs and develop ranges for us that we could shoot at, you know, you know, I, we'd be happy to support you guys and help formulate something in your community. But would you be willing to also commit and develop a range that members would have access to and stuff like that? So, you know, I'd be looking at what would be of value to all the members. Of right. The for question. sure. Quid pro quo and whatnot. Yeah. But I also like the shooting teams. I think it's, I think it's something very cool. We have it in Area 8. They're a little bit more informal, like Hold My Bear or, or the Trailer Park Shooters. or you know. Right. And then you got your more polished ones like the Army Marksmanship Team and stuff like that. I think the teams are cool. We have one we call Team Boneyard. It's just a, a bunch of degenerates that are that get together, that happen to get together at a bunch of matches per year and, and, and do shenanigans between the, the days and stuff like that. But uh, I think the teams are cool. I think people – it's just a part of the community, right? It's your, your clicker friends. I think people should take pride in that. I would like to see more of that, more informal teams. And I think one day it'd be cool to have maybe some team contest. That um, would be neat. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. If you guys got five or more shoes that you consider friends and wear like a, a similar name, you know, after the match, we have a little shoot off team to team or something like that. Um, but I think anything you can do to build camaraderie and chemistry uh, and the community is also, while not sacrificing competitive equity, is a plus. Absolutely a plus. Well, now we got to find two more shooters, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Matt. Yep. Crap. Oh, Damn tough. tryouts now, application process. 
Mm. Yeah, and you don't for our tryouts on Team Boneyard. You definitely don't need any ammo. Let me tell you that. You might need some natty light. I don't know. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, the champagne of beer. <laughs> well, the tryouts are always open. Boom. There you go. Kind of like the beer. It's always open. Seven yep. Eleven that way. Well, Matt, do you have any? Go ahead. No, I'm I'm good. Oh, I was gonna say, do you have any final comments or anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, I, I plug you guys. I appreciate what you guys are doing here. The, this is another way you guys can give back to the community by bringing us together when we're not shooting, right? Um, so I really love the podcast. Um, what you guys are doing. Um, I have like an hour commute every day to the Pentagon, so these are perfect. Yeah, you can just set them up and go. There you go. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for what you guys doing. Because I know you guys probably enjoy this, but it's also commitment, and I. I appreciate it. And I'm honored just to be on here because I'm at nowhere the tier right now is, you know, the Williams sisters um, and some of the, the other world-class athletes you have. So it's just cool to be in their company and to get to come on here and talk a little bit about myself. Well, we well, thank you for pleasure. coming on. Yeah, we absolutely appreciate it. Yeah. Anybody who's willing to, to dedicate their time to a sport like this and make it better, we're, we're always yeah. looking to talk to. So, yeah. And if you guys got ideas, all, you know, offline or whatnot come up and see me at a match let's talk about it because uh i'm talking to ted murphy he's very open as an area eight director to, to talking about things and and some things you know he brings up but they're not always recording the minutes because they don't get a second or what whatever it's called when you know it doesn't get brought for a formal discussion but he do, he is very active appreciate what him and mcphee have done all the air directors have are there and i'm really excited to see what hopkins can do um, yeah I, I i'm very curious to myself yeah, he puts a lot of thought into it. I mean, it's a big time commitment. It's not just like you go to the board meeting. There's, you know, it might be months of conversations that, you know, someone like Hopkins will have before he brings something up to the board. So they don't get paid to do this. So I think if you guys see an area director, just tip your hat to him at a local match, right? Or anybody that does anything to get back to the support. Uh, because, it, you know, it's usually a sacrifice that comes with that. Yeah, absolutely. And real quick, I got to give you, I'll take just 20 seconds to give you credit. Uh, you posted a video on YouTube about stowing magazines on unloaded starts. Well, my offseason went from nationals to the July 4th Fredericksburg match. That was my <laughs> offseason. And yeah. I saw that video about two weeks before that match. Yeah. I think I practiced it the night before just in case. And I used it at that match and it worked fantastic. That's awesome. You know, I modified that, but I learned that from me. Um, you know, I, we all learn from everybody, but I modified a little bit with the magnet. But a lot of the techniques of how to grip the mags and how to stow them efficiently come from Mason. We had a match where we had to stow, I think, five mags. It was like a Florida Open back in 16 or something like that. And I was like, how are we stowing this? And he learned it from somebody. I said, oh, that makes sense. And then with the magnet, I said, oh, they're going to be doing table loads a lot more now. Now I need to work with a magnet. And the first thing I notice is like the magnet's not as simple as it sounds like, you know, a mag could get bent the wrong way or something like that. So I, I built that out to kind of help out and give back, um, you know, but it, it kind of capitalizes on something I learned from Mason as well. Well, give him my thanks. Yeah. yeah, And, too. and congratulations. Glad, glad to you uh, yeah. To Absolutely. him on, on his nuptials. Yeah. So. yeah. Tell Mr. And Mrs. Yeah. Lane. Cause that's who they'll be by the time this hits the yeah. airwave that we, yeah. we also said, congratulations. Yeah, and center rice, we're going to be tossing blue bullets. So in there, yeah. Oh, I need to be, be there to catch that. Talk about <laughs> apocalypse, and you're chucking blue bullets yeah. out. 
not not primers, not primers. But oh, okay. Although, uh, primers will look cooler. But so, so really, dummy rounds is what we're talking if about. If only here. we could have gotten Team Federal to sponsor his wedding, that would have been awesome. Wow, that would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Casey, Casey if you're listening, you know, that would break the internet. I think. I know. I think Casey's in Poland right now, shooting white and red targets. Isn't that weird? Wow, that is weird. Yeah, no brown targets, all white and red. I'm like, I that would be a tricky one to overcome. You definitely want red, red, red's not that. shoot, white is shoot. Okay, weird. all right. Weird. Yeah. yeah, you guys, you guys should have mine to talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Matt. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you guys. Be safe. Be well. You, you too. too. Thanks we'll a lot. See you at Area 8. See you at Area 8. All right. Bye. Bye. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. Thank you.